Hey everybody, welcome to Investing in Cannabis. I'm your host, Brandon David. As always, great episode today as we continue our search for the best brands in California. We have Ollie of Higgs. Higgs is a very cool LA brand, uh, relatively new, that's doing a little bit differently. They have some very cool branding, very cool colors, great marketing campaigns. Uh, it's a great story about how to build a true lifestyle brand in the cannabis industry. Also really interesting business model of how to build a plant touching brand without touching the plant. It's going to be great guys. You're going to love it. I learned a ton. You're going to learn a ton. Tune in, listen up, get acquainted. Ollie, great to meet you, man. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Let's get started on easy one. What is Higgs? Uh, Higgs is a uh, cannabis lifestyle company. What does that mean? Unpack that a little bit. It means it's uh, more of like a fashion product than it is about, you know, necessarily like the cannabis inside. It's a feeling I want you to get when you like pack, grab a pack of Higgs. Got it. So there's really two skews, right? There's more like an upper and more like a sleep product, right? Explain that. Yeah. I mean, the black isn't necessarily, it's white is more of a sativa, black is indica for lack of a better word. Uh -huh. We kind of wanted to... Uh, you know, progress cannabis consumption and not be limited by those terms. Yeah. And, you know, white is a little more cerebral. Black is a little more body high. That doesn't, I don't want you to be asleep. I want both to be active, but some people don't like the head high. Some people prefer the body high. So it's kind of the, the two differences you can have. And are they blends? No, single strain. Single strain. Mm -hmm. But the strain rotates, correct? Depending on whose cannabis it is. In a perfect world, no. Uh, until we get big enough that, you know, we can have, uh, you know, a farm set us aside an allotment of flour every mm -hmm. season. Uh, until now, I try and give a narrow lane of kind of the feelings. So the white on the CR bag, it says energy, focus, euphoria. The black, it says calm, relaxed and blissful. And you can usually find strains within those feelings. Got it. So tell me a little bit about the brand. That's really what you focused on. Like that's the value that you're trying to build here. What does Higgs represent and kind of like what are the tenants that got you started there? I mean, I guess, again, it goes back to that feeling. I want people to resonate back to a time where, you know, even when they're like kids smoking weed, that you smoked weed and you went to go do things, that it's not such a personal experience, that it is a shared experience with friends and loved ones, that you can go get high surfing, skating, go see a movie, you know, all the other life's pleasures that you can pair with cannabis is kind of what I wanted this product to uh resemble. Mm -hmm. And the color scheme is really cool. It's kind of like a Miami Vice. Where did that come from? How, how did you settle there? Uh, people really think it's Miami Vice. To me, it's more of like an early 90s color scheme. It's, you know, old oh. Andre Agassi, uh, okay. early Nike colors. Yeah. I was a big tennis player growing up. And so all my out outfits were kind of in that same color scheme. And again, you know, going, harping back to that feeling of what it was like to be in the late 80s and early 90s. It was just like more of a free time. And, you know, we forget that these days. We're so locked into technology that we've got forgot to experience the you know ethereal side of life were you a good tennis player uh, i was yeah uh, i quit far too early wow like how good uh, i was ranked at one point top 10 in california wow but that's i was awesome. about, only about 11 years old that okay, time got it. that's even better <laughs> um yeah if you stick with it a few more years it's you know at 16 is when you actually uh become a you know pro tennis player why did you stop you were just burned out i had begged my mom since i was six years old to play tackle football and the minute she let me play football i quit playing tennis got it so yeah i played a lot of football too would you let your kids play um 
Yes, but it's not the sport that I would steer them to. Yeah. But again, I think because of my upbringing, I would just want my children to have all the options. Whatever they want to experiment with, I will push them into certain things, but they have no boundaries. Total tangent, but yeah, I kind of feel the (laughs) same way. Like if someone, if my kid really wanted to, I would let them play, but I would never suggest it to them. And I think that I, unless they were really good, I wouldn't let them play in college because I think it gets to a point where like, you can really get injured. You know, like high school is a little soft. Injured and more distracted from being able to do other things in life. Like you, it does take person. up so yeah. much of your time to be a collegiate athlete. Like it, you have to really have some wherewithal to get your studying done, progressing all the other things you want to do, especially if you don't make it to the next level. It's a job, yeah. Um, okay, so when I first uh, saw Higgs, when did it come out? When did you guys launch? Uh, so we launched it originally to like the gray market about two years ago, and we've been legally selling on the recreational market since uh, October 2018. Got it. So when I first came across Higgs, I think I just saw pictures or whatever, I was a little skeptical because it really looks like a cigarette package. Is that something that was intentional, or how did you kind of settle on that form Yeah, we, we based it on the old like European Marlboro Slim Pack, except I wanted it to be a little thicker, a little more durable, because you know your average cannabis joint smoker uh, is going to go do things with this, this pack of joints. They're not just going to have it in their loose in their pocket. I yep. wanted them to be prepared that this can go to any situation with you, travel to any situation. Got it. And that kind of goes along with the size of them, right? They're like 0.58 or 0.58. something like that. So, you know, they're personal if you want them to be. You know, I, I smoke one while I'm watching a movie, put it out and light it up again. Or if you have, you know, one or two friends, it's perfect to, to share. So you're not on these, you know, tiny little 0.3 personals that you're just like puffing in a corner that doesn't feel elegant. I wanted smoking to feel elegant again. So people do enjoy the act of smoking. And, you know, tobacco is terrible for people. And we've found that out. And now cannabis can kind of take, take its place. Yeah, no, absolutely. I really like the size. Um, I think most pre-rolls are a gram, and they're too much. Mostly too much. Yeah, I don't know what you do with a gram pre-roll. Yeah, you <laughs> share it with a bunch of people, I know, I but guess. even so, you need like six to eight other people for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so talk to us a little bit about the model. You've gone a different direction. You don't touch the plant at all. No. Yet you sell joints. Yes. How does that work? Uh, so we have kind of licensing deals. We license out our brand to license entities, and we kind of do a profit share with those uh, groups. And it, you know, it creates a much easier environment for us because we get to regulate what's in the can- in the joints. Like I still do most of the testing. I approve all the flour, and we don't get bogged down on the regulations. And we do what we do best as a brand packaging marketing company. So like that isn't a separate entity that you also own. That's like a real partnership. Yeah, it's a real partnership. Got it. Yeah, we do profit shares. They get paid back for their labor and flour. We have a set packaging fee, and then we do a profit share on top. And in Colorado, which we just launched three weeks ago, it's more of a royalty agreement. Just because of the language. Interesting. We're not allowed to be in a profit share technically, yeah. so we just backed out to an imputed royalty. And if you can share, I mean, what do those economics look like? Like on a royalty deal, when somebody wants Higgs, what, how, do, how do they pay well, for it? Well, on the profit share, it's 50-50 okay. after we get paid back for our packaging and their flour and labor and testing costs. So costs and then 50-50. Yeah. And then the royalty becomes about you know 20 to 25% depending on the wholesale price. But they're doing all the work. Uh, no, we're sales support, marketing, all of that. They're pretty much just doing the manufacturing and distribution. Got it. And would you like to expand that into like a more traditional franchise where they pay you a fee off the top or? 
No, I feel we're pretty good. You like? Uh, yeah, I think we're capturing a, a lot of margins uh, for us not having any licenses. Yeah. And it works out pretty well for us. Yeah. Well, you've avoided some of the huge headaches of cannabis. Uh, I've had my own headaches. <laughs> Everybody does. But I yeah. mean, yeah, not, not no, having No, I feel very good about where we've kind of fallen into as a non-flower touching brand. I think it allows us to be very malleable to go into different countries, states, uh, and set up shop easier than if we tried to go after licenses in each of these places. And what's been the hardest part about it? I think the relating from real people, the new recreational consumer to who's buying for the store. Mm -hmm. I show Higgs to a normal person on the street, 99.9% go, oh, I love this. Where can I get this? I show a buyer. They don't quite understand brands just yet or the power of brands. The the industry just hasn't come around. There's no other industry that isn't run by a brand in some form. And I, I think that's what the biggest hiccup has been to be able to get them to relate to what this product is for the recreational consumer. I mean, I talk to a lot of women who still feel very underrepresented at dispensaries and some don't go in and they you know, they've, they've, there's a lack of in the market for, for this. Yeah. Have you explored the D to C stuff? Uh, I have not just yet. Yeah. Cause that could be really interesting for you. I mean, especially cause it's packaged kind of like a cigarette. You could do like a reoccurring, you know, subscription type thing. Might yeah, be I would interesting. love that. Yeah, yeah. that'd be kind of interesting. I think Blackbird does D2C like all over the state. If you want yeah, to check no, that I'd love to put a, you know, buy now button on our website, yeah. have a fulfillment center and, yeah. you know, see what that looks like. See if people are on the Amazon world of things and like, do they feel underrepresented dispensaries or do they just not want to leave their couch? I think it's probably a little of both. Both. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So when you do marketing, I mean, the brand is very LA cool. You got like influencers and models, actually a girl I went to high school, Natalie Boris, I've seen is in some of your stuff. She's, she's a character. But um, when you think about the audience, like, are you going after people that have never smoked weed? You know, is that the big opportunity here? I don't think so. You know, I think it can be for a, uh, beginner to advanced. I'm a joint smoker of 20 years. And while Higgs is my company, I'm still only smoking Higgs every day. Mm -hmm. And I'm fine with the high. I'm fine with the feeling from it. Mm -hmm. Got it. Tell us a little bit more about the flower. Where does it come from? How's the sort? Uh, It comes from Honeydew Farms in Humboldt, uh, all sun grown, uh, as organic and natural as possible. Um, I'm not allowed to say organic, but you know, all the materials are. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And the decision to go outdoor versus indoor, obviously potency differences, but kind of how did you, I mean, obviously there's price differences. Price difference, but also I think, you know, there's a reason that California grows 80% of the world's agriculture. We're very lucky in that way. And I think the high is just a little cleaner. Um, and I wanted to model this more after like light beer model where you can consume more and not get so fucked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can say fucked up. That's fine. We, oh, we get the parental advisory on iTunes just because it's weed. So yeah. cuss whatever you want. Um, <laughs> so tell me a little bit about how to build a brand. Like what's the rollout here? It's much different than like, oh, I'm going to set up a cultivation and then sales and marketing is kind of an afterthought. Like you've gone about it the other way. What, what does that playbook look like? Um, I think it's just trying to reach customers in an authentic way throwing experiential events, getting the right influencers and celebrities to hopefully endorse your brand without paying them. You know, authenticity is the only key to a brand, I think. Mm-hmm. What is that messaging? What does that look like? What are you representing? How about social? That's a big part for brands, but tough in the canvas industry. Um, you know, I don't think it's that tough. I know we're regulated. I, you know, my Instagram becomes my marketing and advertising platform. Mm-hmm. I try and create something that looks like a piece of art and that you can get feelings from when you see an image. 
but a lot of uh, accounts have been shut down that are in cannabis. I know. I uh, there's a couple. Actually, I shouldn't say this, but there's a couple pictures of like people smoking that I should take down off my page yeah. because that's a big one. Yeah. So you've made a choice to make it sort of, I don't know what the word is, but more ambiguous. Yes. Yeah. More lifestyle, less cannabis focused. But that's how people buy products. That makes sense, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like alcohol is like they don't necessarily have somebody drinking a forty. You no, know. No, rarely do you see that. I don't know why I said forty, but yeah, <laughs> it's all right. You know, it's good old days. We're talking about the nineties here, so it's uh, it's good. Absolutely. Um, what year were you born? You grew up in the 90s? 1984. 84, got yeah. it. So you really were a real 90s baby. You're, But you're still a millennial. You're kind of on the cusp there. Is it like 19... It's like 1980 to 2000, yeah, I think something I'm like that? Yeah, I the last of the millennials. You're like the last. Yeah, yeah my, my older sister was born Which in 84. Like. You like that. Got it. Yeah. No, the newer millennials are kind of different, like the late millennials. Yeah, I mean, I you know... Pre-iPhone, Facebook in college when you could only be oh, in college that was when you the Facebook. Best. Like, there's no mom asking to be your friend on it. Yeah. It was just a real free world. Yeah. Do you use Facebook today? No, I do not. No. It's become like an inbox, like checking your email. No, there's nothing I want. I want to hear a bunch of people's emotions on Facebook. Go get a therapist. And politics. <laughs> yeah. So that brings up kind of an interesting point, like... There's so many distractions in the world. Like I spent a lot of time on Reddit, which is just like a throwaway time, I've, I've right? I've been told about the Reddit holes that you can go down. Yeah. I fortunately do not go down those, but yeah, I get it. I'm like reading about the illegal triad murders in Hong Kong. And I'm like, well, this didn't help me in my day at <laughs> yeah, all. <no. laughs> but how much do you think about that? Like you're, you're a founder, you're building this company. We're going to get into the sort of scale and traction you have in a minute. But when you think about that, like dating friends, exercise, mental health, like how do you cope with not having the time to do a lot of those things? I think you have to make time and that's just what it is. Whether you have to sleep less, eat quicker, you got to, you have to take care of your mental health. Like I try and go to the gym. I try and work out at least a few times a week because it does help my creativity, not just my physical well-being, but also my creative mind. Got it. That's a good answer. Um, how about dating? How about friends? Do you have any personal life? They seem to get less and less as I've uh, started this company. Yeah. I uh, just got out of a relationship and, you know, I went to a wedding this weekend, saw a bunch of old friends, but, uh, you know, most of the time I sit in my loft downtown and I don't leave for days. <laughs> Do you sleep? Uh, sometimes. Got it. I have a nice, Probably sleep better than others, depending on I how things are I don't know. I have like going. a real 2 a.m. to 6, 7 a.m. That's my window. It, so you're a nighttime I'd love to be thinker? Able, I'd love to be able to nap again. That's what I miss most, uh, the ability to nap. I can't shut my brain off yeah. for 30 minutes to be like, oh, this is a good time to recover. <laughs> yeah. Are you more of a morning person or late at night? I'm a late at night person. Got it. Morning has always been a struggle for yeah. me. Yeah. As I've gotten older, it's a little easier, but you know, I'm waking up and going to start a pot of coffee instantly. I think it's important just to know when you can be efficient, when you can be effective. Oh, completely. And there's, you know, it's, you have to capture certain windows. Sometimes it's, you know, 11, 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. is you have some great, great creative time, but yeah. So launched officially last October. Yep. And how much of the brand clout carried over from the gray market? Was that relevant? Uh, very little, to be honest. We didn't. We were only on the gray market for about three or four months. The product actually did look a little different then. They actually looked like cigarettes. The I remember cigarettes, yeah. um, which is great. We did a little market research for that side. Found out that people either really loved them or really hated them. Yeah. And so now we retooled the product, and now everyone kind of just really likes them. And they had a filter on them. Yeah, they had custom like element filters, so yeah. they didn't have the foam, which you know, uh, the cannabinoids can't pass through uh, those acetate filters the same. Got it. Um, okay, so almost a year 
in the market now. <laughs> what have you learned about the California market or specifically the, the LA market? Uh, that they're still getting it together. I mean, there's still so many illegal shops that we're competing against. I don't think they figured out the taxes appropriately. They still have a medical side that should be separated in my opinion. I think there's two values of cannabis. One is truly medicinal that can help cancer, seizures, and a whole bunch of other things. Uh, and then there's the recreational side, which has a wellness byproduct, but is built for a recreational environment. The same consumption as you know, all the other things. Yeah, I always find it interesting, the products that are medical. And I put that in quotation yeah. marks because I don't think there's really any medicinal value to smoking joints. It's a recreational, I get it, for sure, it's fun. But like somebody that's really sick, should they be smoking a joint? Like, I don't know, I guess. It does also depends on what that medical condition is though. I, you know, I get really nauseous sometimes on boats and when I, you know, smoke a joint, uh -huh. I feel much better. Yeah, I do and too, so that's there's, true. There's like the smaller little niche wellness things, but not like, you know, okay, this person is very ill, how yeah. do we treat them with something besides, uh, Chemotherapy. I also find cannabis regulates my temperature a little bit. And sweat. Yeah, 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 that's true too. Interesting. Um, okay, so almost a year in the market. You're in a lot of dispensaries. How many dispensaries are you? We've touched 55. Wow, that's a lot. Uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been nice for the small team. I feel you know people have really gravitated towards the product. Yeah. And for us, it's about now getting you know more eyeballs, more manpower, people in the streets. You know, I'm up in NorCal this week visiting a bunch of stores because we don't really have a presence up here just yet. And did you do a lot of those sales yourself? Uh, I've done some of myself, uh, and then we've had some internal salespeople, and then our distribution company also has some uh, salespeople attached. Who do you use for distribution? Uh, Greenstone. They're out of Linwood, like South LA. It's working for you? Yeah. Big? They have a lot of things in their portfolio? Uh, they got a few brands. Yeah. Uh, they also have a really good uh, flower connect. Their connection is with Honeydew Farms. And so uh -huh. that's been nice because that's a big part of the industry is to be able to have reliable cannabis that's you know clean that we talked about. How does it get to you? From them? Yes. They're I going mean, and picking up from the farm? Yeah. And then, I mean, again, as a non-flower judging brand, yeah. they take care of all of the ins and outs of the flower. Yeah. We just ship them, you know, all the raw materials, box, papers. And they do the packaging. They do the packaging, yeah. Wow. You, you've really figured out how to make this lean. Yeah, totally. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. That's nice. I mean, your cost must be pretty low, your overhead. Yes. Right now it is. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're a very small company that's able to accomplish a lot because of that. Yeah. Four people? Yeah, about three, three and a half. I mean, you know, three full-time people and then a couple half. And if you were going to hire somebody, who would you hire? What kind? Of uh, I'd probably hire a COO, uh -huh. someone who's done, you know, food and beverage, multi-state operations before. Got it. Uh, it's just something that I haven't done. You know, I'm the creative backbone of the company, I'd uh -huh. say, and I can do a lot of so other things. So did you create the logo and the branding and everything? That's uh, you? Or? I did. The first hire I had was a designer, a girl named Hannah uh, out of RISD. We sat down and we just decided on, here's the color scheme, here's the look. I had built the first packs with an exacto knife and super glue. Uh -huh. I probably built like 30. 40 prototypes okay. and then sent those off to China, got the first one back. And once it kind of had that functionality, that kind of like that click sound, I yeah. was like, okay, cool. We have something. And then it was just only a matter of time about figuring out what the color scheme and everything else we wanted. It's really nice, man. I have to say, I've looked at a lot of cannabis products and I feel like the packaging is often an afterthought. 
Um, and what you've done here is really cool. I like the size and everything. I really like that you got away from the cigarette sort of form factor. Mm -hmm. I think that just brings up a lot of bad feelings for people. Um, where do you go from here? Are there going to be more SKUs? What's what's next? Yeah. So uh, across the pre-rolls, we're going to we're going to add in about a week or two our gray hybrid pack. Uh, and we're also going to add a like tan red gold foil premium like private reserve pack, kind of like what our 1942 pack would be. Still outdoor. That will be indoor. Uh, and then we're going to do a pink pack, which will be our THC and CBD pack. And then we're going to do a mint label pack, which will be our pure hemp uh, CBD pack. Got it. Which, you know, hopefully sell in every gas station, Walgreens in America. Yeah. And what's the timeline like there? Uh, we're getting those in the middle of September. Very exciting. And have a flower source out of uh, Colorado and Pueblo. So we should be ready to go when that happens. That's going to explode your brand. Uh, it's, I'm the most excited about that. Just because, yeah, you, you know, be. we talk about there's a thousand uh, dispensaries in California and even the biggest brands are only in 400. Yeah. We're talking about, you know, distribution networks in the 25, 50,000 when it comes to being yeah. able to sell, you know, hemp pre-rolls. And is there anybody out there today in that space that you see as dominant or... I don't think anyone's dominating that space yet. There's a couple yeah. people just like floating around the lulls of the world, but no one's like, oh, have you seen that? I went to this gas station in Ohio and they have these hemp pre-rolls. No one's saying that just yet. Got it. Very interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, competitors is an interesting thing. Like there always will be competitors, no question, but it's also potentially an enormous market, right? I mean, do you think about like being a big dominant player or do you want to be this sort of like niche. I want to be a big dominant player. Yeah. Okay. I do. And I think there's room for multiple big dominant players. Yeah. I actually think you want competition. Yeah. Nike doesn't exist without Adidas. Yep. So, you know, we talk about like, I'm probably the biggest person right now in the game is Lowell's. Yeah. That's great. There's a place for us and Lowell's. We're completely different products that appeal to completely different consumers. Mm -hmm. Um, so when you think about what you're building here, like you've really focused on the brand. So is the exit here to sell to an MSO or a alcohol company or a tobacco company? Like take me through the exit. Yes. Simply yes. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot depends on federal legalization. Yeah. I'm going to be able to keep pushing this for as long as I can before it goes federal legal. And then at some point someone's going to come in and probably make an offer because they will be able to have multi-state operations and they'll have the verticals and we'll have the brand recognition. And it's a perfect synergy. But then... That's why I haven't gone after the licenses or, you know, been concerned because at some point someone is going to come buy us out who has all those pieces. Yeah, absolutely. Because you've made the model so efficient, you're really like in the lean startup camp yeah. <laughs> here. Like, I don't know if you started there, but you're, you're, yeah, for sure. So when you think about raising money, I know you raised a little bit of money so far. Like how necessary is that for you? Uh, very. Uh, you know, we could keep going along at this slow pace, but if I want to be one of the bigger brands, then you need capital and you need capital all the time. I guess, you know, as someone told me, the only job you really have as CEO is to raise money, hire people and keep good people. And do podcasts. And do podcasts. And then um, get your own podcast because everyone's got their own podcast these days. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so but they're not all good. No, they're mostly not good. Mostly not good. But tune in for the Higgs podcast 2020, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not to stroke my own ego, but most people are like, oh, yeah, you just start recording and it works. And then I'm like, well. Yeah, like no one wants to listen to you. Kind of <laughs> harder than that. You know? uh, yeah. Now, I respect this. Uh, Bill Burr is one of the only podcasts Love I listen Bill to. Burr. He does that Monday morning podcast. I'm like, oh, wow, this guy can just like speak for an hour about nothing. And I'm like so entertained. How about Mark Marin? Do you listen? 
listen to that listen one. Listen to Mark. He's yeah. so good. That's I think Mark's ruined it for people because like, oh, I can just be Mark Maron. I can make a podcast. Right. It's like now nah, he's a genius comedian. But it's like the people that are good at anything. You know, uh, basketball players make it look effortless. Totally. Right. Like that's that's what they do. Um, so how much have you raised to date? Uh, we've done about 450 in friends and family starting from about like, you know, two and a half, three years ago. Okay. Yeah. Kind of a phase friends and family yeah, phase. You know, yeah. Going through all the different versions of this. And, you know, we did try and go after a license, a micro business license in California that was riddled with fraud and corruption. Uh-huh. Uh, we were paying for a lease that we couldn't operate out of. And then there were, you know, all kinds of programs that were coming in and we just kept getting pushed back and pushed back. And so that's how we became a non-flower touching brand was like, how do we navigate this world without the capital or the licenses? Mm-hmm. And now you want to raise a million, something like yeah, that? Yeah, a million just seed round right now. And how are those conversations going? It's going well. We just opened our uh, data room about a month ago. We're talking about six, seven investors. Uh, mostly strategic in the space. Talk to a couple of people from like the Hollywood agent world, uh-huh. uh, just kind of, you know, blend all those worlds together because, you know, at the end of the day, we are a lifestyle company and being able to capture the people that matter in the world is how you form a lifestyle company. Absolutely. Those associations I mean, you have with who's consuming your product. And I think, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of the celebrity brands because unless you're big enough, what's your audience? And you're very particular within that world. Well, I think the the point for the celebrities is mostly they're getting a large fee off the top. They don't really give a shit. Oh, completely. I mean, I've heard some rumors about, you know, genetics companies that are just paying, you know, rappers and musicians tens of millions of dollars so they can name a strain after them. Uh-huh. And they're like, okay. <laughs> I mean, that's dope. Yeah, great them. for them. I got no problem with that at all. Yeah, got it. Um, so... Let's see. When you think about CBD stuff, obviously there's good and bad CBD products out there. How do you maintain that quality control? Because that's really the next step for you here, right? It's like you're going to have hemp joints, hemp cigarettes, whatever you want to call them, everywhere. Like, How do you maintain that that's a good experience for people? Uh, I think, you know, it's finding the right partnerships. And I think we found a really great farm in Colorado that, you know, is a trusted brand already. And so you can, you know, I think a lot of brands is always about the messaging. It's always about the branding of like, okay, what is the story behind this? Where does this come from? Can I trust this brand? It didn't used to be like that. The consumer now needs a lot of information. And I think that's our job as a brand to make sure they have that information. Got it. And is that part of what the million will go towards? That marketing? That Yeah. I mean, mostly marketing and then a couple new hires and a couple of these, you know, brand uh, development stuff, Got it. new SKUs and Got new it. products. Got it. That's exciting. It's very exciting. So what does it look like in 2020? How many stores altogether, you know, hemp, everything like? I think for me, it's not just the amount of stores. It's about the amount of territories. You know, for me, I want to be an international brand. I want to not just be a California, Southern California company. We just launched in Colorado. I want to be in Michigan. I want to be in Nevada. I want to be in Canada. And I want to be, we just had talks about uh, going to Switzerland. Because Switzerland, actually on the CBD side, they allow up to 1% THC and infinite CBD. And I think that's a really great market because that's all you really do want. If we're talking on the light beer side of things, that's something that's a really digestible, consumable product that you know doesn't scare people. You're not going to get super high. You can smoke it like you used to smoke a cigarette without the negative effects. Yeah. I was in Switzerland about a year ago fascinating system that they have it's crazy it's totally on the up and up yeah and 
people are smoking CBD joints like in the park and wherever. And like if it's California, that's not wild. But for Europe, that's crazy. Crazy. That's, that's going to be like our stepping stone into Western Europe yeah. because I think it is a really good environment. I mean, I, I got pictures sent to me and it's like there's just CBD products next to the candy. Like yeah. it's like yeah. there is no like, oh, let me grab it from the back. You're yeah. like, oh, this looks interesting. And, you know, to me, they're not very well-branded products. And is it a precursor to THC? Is that coming for them? I think so. Yeah, I think it's coming for all of Western Europe, yeah. THC. I think this is a nice, you know, little foot in the door. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, a few fun questions. Some cannabis related, some not. Besides Higgs, what are you into? What do you like to smoke, consume, whatever? Uh, I'm a joint smoker through and through. Okay. I've been a joint smoker for 20 years, and that's really my only method of consumption. Uh, I can't say that I've rolled many joints in the past two years after having Higgs, but sure. I'm a big sativa guy uh, of my favorite strains all time. I mean, Green Crack is Me too. still the one that really touches my heart. Terrible name, but great Terrible strain. name, but the next one I'm about to give you is even worse of a name, which was maybe my all-time favorite, which was Cat Piss. Oh, it was wow. an original strain called Cat Piss, yeah. and it was just like the most delightful thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, again, we... we it's sad that we've lost a lot of genetics from the initial raids. And I think, you know, part of going back to calling it Higgs White or Higgs Black and not Sativa Indica is because there's been so so much crossbreeding that we don't even have the pure strains anymore. Most Sativas aren't pure Sativas and most Indicas aren't pure sat Indicas. And so to give them, okay, let's let's give them something else. Let's give them a feeling. It's like, okay, you're, you know what Higgs White is always gonna be yeah. rather than wanting to know what strain is in there. Yeah, I don't think most people care. Stoners care about single strain and the genetics and everything. But like but I said, there's like, you know, the disconnect with the buyers, there's a lot of pushback. Yeah. What's in there? My customers need to know the strain. I think a lot of the world is being dictated by the customers right now. And yeah. It's the only industry where they have so much say. Yeah. I mean, someone on Weed Maps gave us a bad review, spelled our name wrong. And the store called me. He's like, I'm sorry, we can't carry anymore. There's been a bad review. That person had never made another review, probably works for another company. Yeah. And I was like, this is how we're going to just run the world. Just wow. like one bad review. Like we're in this terrible Yelps, you know, of the world where like, I have a friend. He's like, yeah, I just, I'm not on Yelp because if I get a bad review, my business goes down. Why totally. would I want to be on something that can take me down? There yeah. is no positives to the weed maps and what Yelps of the world. Yeah. My family's in the restaurant business. Oh yeah. So, you know, <laughs> it's a fucking problem, man. It's a huge problem. Everyone is so opinion. They think their opinion matters. Yeah. I only really trust that if they have five stars or one star, because I know that one star, that person was just having a terrible day and just wanted to complain. And there's no transparency. Like last month or in June, uh, the brand, which is called Great Maple, it's in Southern California, they, um, they were named top 100 restaurants in the country by Yelp. Then two weeks later, an account manager reaches out and says they've had fraud on the account and most of their five stars are bullshit. It's like... They don't talk to one side doesn't talk to the other anyway. Yeah, no, tangent about Yelp. No, but. but that's just that's what it is. It's we're we're a huge disconnect right now, you know, about the messaging. Yep. Yep, for sure. Um, how do you stay informed? What do you read? Not much to be honest. Yeah. Uh, I love that. Answer. I try and be as, you know, unclouded as possible yeah. even on the creative stuff like you know you obviously get inspiration from things in life but i really stay focused on like what do i want to create for the world yeah thank you for that answer <laughs> i feel like so many people bullshit me and they say they read 100 books a year or something um 
I'm reading, uh, well, I just picked up Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Dude, I'm reading that right now. Hey, there we go. Dude, that's a great book. So, yeah. Talk about a founder struggle. That's exactly. I want to know that it's, you know, yeah. it's hard out there. <laughs> yeah. It's a good book. How far along are you? I just bought it. Oh, yeah. You'll love it. Yeah, I can't wait. I mean, it's a good business story, but his life is just really interesting. Yeah, he seems like a very fascinating man. Yeah. I don't know that much about him. He's kind of like under the radar. That's why it's radar. very exciting to read yeah. about him. Like a guy that created one of the biggest brands, companies yeah. in the world. Yeah, you're going to love it. How he created it is really yeah. interesting. My younger sister goes to University of Oregon, and he oh, like wow. basically oh, yeah. built <laughs> University of Oregon. It's really interesting. Okay, so have you ever seen Jesus and Miro? You know that show? Yes, okay. but I've never watched it, but I'm aware of it. For sure. So they do this thing where they say, like, what would your neon sign say in life? Like, what's one sentence, what's one message that you want to get out in the world? Man of the people. Man of the people. All right, man. I think that's as good a place to wrap up as any. Ollie, thank you so much for thank being here. Thank you so here. much for having me. Uh, how can the audience help you? You got whatever, 10, 30 seconds to push whatever you want. Uh, really just, you know, spread the brand messaging, you know, buy a pack, put it on Instagram, share it with friends. That's, you know, how you, you know, get a brand to be bigger than what it is. Dope, Ollie. Well, good luck and congrats on what you built so far. Thank you so much, guys.